come and go through here. The passage to hell. And welcome to Ancient Slumber Podcast, show number 14. My name is Chris Ward, and as ever, I'm joined by my co-host, Mr. Myron Schmidt. How you doing, Myron? Good, Mr. Chris. How are you? Oh, I'm enjoying the peace and quiet that I'm not getting. <laughs> if you can hear any shouting in the background, that's next door's kids. Yeah, yeah, I hear that. Yes. <laughs> Still. Come on, winter. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Come on, winter. Yes. Get those noisy... Bastards back inside. Anyway, show number 14. Yes. What are we doing today? We're going to do a little Amityville original versus remake. Oh, how exciting. Well, let's not get carried away. Oh, this could be controversial then. I'm pretty sure we're going to have controversy. Well, oh, yeah. Okay. Now, I could only find one of the nine or ten god-awful sequels. So I did watch Amityville 2 or Amityville 2 Possession. Right, I hope you're not associating that with the word god-awful. Uh, yes. We're going to fall out, you and me. Yeah, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna have a row. We are. <laughs> and I'm on painkillers. This could be fun. <laughs> ah, anyway, before we do that, should we do some good, some bad, some ugly? Let's do some good, some bad, some ugly. Right then, hit us with something good. Well, let me kick it off. I guess anybody who knows me knows I've been bragging about my new grandson. So let's just say these last couple of weeks I've not watched Diddly Squat. Oh, yeah, I forgot to say. Congratulations. Thank you, sir. That's all right. Yeah, he's getting bigger. What, already? uh, Well, yeah. Yeah. Can he drive yet? No. Oh, should be by now. (laughs) (laughs) The poor little guy. I mean, so he had what's called, we call it here, we call it tongue-tied. But it's basically that piece of skin underneath the tongue. Yeah. He had too much skin there, so he couldn't latch on for breastfeeding or bottle feeding very well. Okay. And so they actually they actually had to go in and clip that little piece of skin, and I'm still cringing from that. I know, right? Ooh. <laughs> so he wasn't eating as much as he should. He wasn't gaining as much weight as he should, but they did that on Monday. They snipped that little piece of skin under your tongue. And, uh, oh, I'm feeling uncomfortable now. Oh. <laughs> I know. <laughs> And I've got a shelf full of cannibal films up there. Yeah, don't bother exactly. me. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But now the little guy's eating and uh, gaining weight, so all is good. Ah, uh, good stuff. But anyway, so I really haven't seen any good horror movies, believe it or not. You don't watch good horror movies anyway, do you? I do. Oh, ouch. <laughs> that really hurt. I did not see a 
uh, found footage film since our last podcast, so we can't Fuck get the Chris. Yeah, Ward, so we can't get the Chris Ward sigh. Oh, damn. I'm going to watch Lake Mungo today. I should have watched it yesterday instead of uh, Amityville 2, The Possession. I have seen Lake Mungo, but I can't really remember it. But nonetheless, I I, I did take my grandson, and I really enjoyed it, to the uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Out of the Shadows movie. It was actually <laughs> – it was really good. It All was right. action-packed. It was a CGI shit fest that I loved. It was great. Right. I've never been into Ninja Turtles in any way, shape, or form, so – well, the grandson wanted to see it. Hey, oh, well, no, if he wanted to see it, fair enough. Are we talking about your other grandson, not the newborn? Yes. Oh, I yes. Say. <laughs> I did also take my grandson um, on a previous visit to the Angry Birds movie. Right. All I could say about that is my grandson liked it, and that's all that matters. I've never seen it, but I bet it's better than about 90% of the found footage films you watch. Not 90%. All right, 95 <laughs> but anyway, so that's my good. I mean, if you if you got kids and you want to watch a little no brainer action movie, yeah, go watch the new Ninja Turtle movie. Fair enough. I haven't seen the uh, the, the it's Michael Bay, isn't it? Yes. Yeah, I haven't seen the first Michael Bay one. So all I've seen is the original three from the early nineties. I think these are a little bit better. And that was for review purposes. I wouldn't bother with them again. I've always hated Ninja Turtles. <laughs> When they first came out, I was just that little bit too old. I was about 14, I think, when they first came out. Yeah, you were too old. I was that little bit too old. So yeah. I remember there was people in my class at school who really went mental over it for some reason. But I preferred Batman. There you go. There you go. Anyway, my good. From 1986, Night of the Creeps. Is that what good? Have you not seen it? No. Oh, man. One of my favorite films. Not just favorite horror films. One of my favorite films. I love Night of the Creeps. Yeah, Fred Decker, his first directorial film. It's got Tom Atkins in it in the best role he's ever played. It's about slugs that get into your mouth, they eat your brains, they turn you into zombies. Oh, very nice. So it's from 86. It's probably the most 80s horror film you'll ever see, but it's a homage to like the sci-fi horror of the late 50s. Even more 80s than Night Train to Terror. Oh, yes. Even more 80s than that. Okay. Okay. Um, but in a good way. And uh, yeah, it's a real horror film fans film. All the characters are named after famous horror filmmakers. You know, there's Detective Cameron, Detective Raimi, J.C. Carpenter is one of the characters. What's the other guy? Cynthia Cronenberg. They're all named after famous people. It's just a fun film. It's a horror comedy that does it exactly right. Um, the tone is very much in the same ballpark as Return of the Living Dead, that sort of comedy. The gore is brilliant. It's uh, KMB's practical effects. You know, they're fresh off of uh, Day of the Dead and all that sort of stuff. Right. Just a top horror film. Um, I got it on Blu-ray recently. Uh, there's never been a UK release of it on DVD. There's a Region 1 DVD you can pick up, which I've got. But I recently picked up a US Blu-ray, which is Region 3, and I got it for about eight quid. I've never seen it under a tenner before, so uh, I thought I'd pick that up. Really? Yeah, it looks fantastic if you can get it on Blu-ray. And there's some nice extras. There's a couple of hours worth of documentaries on there, interviews with Tom Atkins and Jason Lively and a few of the other people involved in it. And, yeah, it's just a great, fun film. I love it. You know who uh, Scream Factory is, right? Yes. They have a uh, a TV streaming channel, you know, like you can subscribe to on Roku for free. Yeah. And they actually have Night of the Creeps on there, so I'll have to check it out. Go and watch it. Yes, you'll love it. Excellent. Excellent. Go on, then. What, what's been bad in your world? Take a guess. <laughs> would that be a certain um, film about shagging dead people yes it would be <laughs> it, 
It was horrible. I knew this it, was dead. necromantic. I, you know what? I don't even know what to say about that film. <laughs> Other than I have to agree with the Baz on podcast under the stairs. Hmm. The cat's performance <laughs> was Martin Scorsese levels, and the best thing about that movie was the movie they were showing within a movie was better than the movie itself. <laughs> I this this whole thing. I don't even. I don't even know. Right. I'm, I'm going to defend this a little bit. I, how can you? Right. I it's completely a, understand what you're saying. It's an art house yeah. wannabe train wreck. And on top of it, I watched this guy's other movie that I can't even remember. Something oh, about – Yes, yes. You something about suicide. I don't remember. I didn't even make it through ten minutes. Uh, it was horrible. Are you going to watch Necromantic too? Go Maybe. on. You know you want to. I, I don't know. I think you should. Anyway, I'm going to defend this film a little bit. Yeah, just try. As when we spoke about video nasties before. Yes. I said it, I, I find it interesting that we both come at it from different angles. Because in America, a lot of those films were readily available and they have been for years and years and years. Sure. Obviously, in the UK in the 80s, we had the video nasties thing where you couldn't get to see certain films, you know, even main, what are now considered mainstream films like The Exorcist and all that. Necromantic falls into that category not of video nasties but of what happened slightly afterwards okay the fallout from it and i think certainly for people of my age who have been into the horror scene for you know 30 odd years or whatever necromantic is just one of those films that is sort of hallowed within that sphere if you like i know that doesn't make the film itself any better but it's just one of those films where because you couldn't get to see it for a long long time and then uh, Arrow put it out on uh, Blu-ray a couple of years ago, a really fantastic set with some supplementary material that really gives it context. And there's an interview with uh, David Flint on there from Strange Things Are Happening and people like that. Alan Jones is on there as well, I think. And, um, yeah, it's just one of those films where I think the mythology around it is probably greater than the film itself. As a film, obviously it's trashy, but it does have a certain power about it, I think. I can see why people would look at it and go, oh, that's disgusting. But I think if you put it into context, I think it's worth watching at least once for every horror fan. Oh, God. And then Chris. watch the sequel and then you'll think that the original's probably damn sight better. Oh, God. You wait till you see what happens in that film. <laughs> I, I, ah, oh, just. It is, it's, I absolutely understand. But like I said, I think because we were deprived of these films for so long and we, all we got over in the UK was like, photos in magazines of certain scenes in certain films i think there is just a, a mythology of films from that era hold well i mean I, okay i can i could get on board with that but i've never had what do you call them a, a kinder egg but i'm not you know dying <laughs> to have one <laughs> don't blame you <laughs> <laughs> you know i mean it, let's be honest yeah but do they have photos of kinder eggs in magazines that's just to uh, tempt right. you into importing them <laughs> no <laughs> Look, my six-year-old grandson could have made a better movie. Oh, Scott, I thought you were going to say my six-year-old grandson loved it. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, no, oh. I, wouldn't, I wouldn't show it to the kids. No. 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 Yeah, I understand. It is a trashy film. It is an art. Uh, but it, I think if you get the background of it and the context of it, if you can find that documentary, I do recommend it. And it gives you a little bit more of an insight into the thinking behind the making of it. I think you can be a bit more forgiving of it then. <laughs> We'll Going in as a blind watch, then I'm not surprised you feel the way you do. Oh, God. Dear Lord. I remember years ago, before in the very early days of the Internet and before DVD, 
I had um, I used to import VHS tapes from America because I had a multi-region player. Ooh, look at you! You were like all gangster and unlawful, and you were a hoodlum. What you talking about, Willie? <laughs> yeah, I was, and I used to. Uh, Necromantic Two was one of the films that I got, and I remember ordering it and uh, waiting. And this is when it used to take weeks and weeks and weeks to arrive. And I was sweating for us. I thought this is going to get imp- it's going to get done at customs, and I'm going to get found out. And it's all gone. Oh, no. And bear in mind, I was only about twenty or something like that, and it arrived one day, and it had been opened by customs, and they just sealed it back up, and there was no. <laughs> oh. If you if you actually watch the uh, special features on the Arrow disc, I think David Flint tells a similar story, but he got raided. Oh shit! Yeah. It was oh. like that, and he got raided, and uh, all of his collection taken away, and all that sort of stuff. Well, you just did the big uh, middle finger to uh, uh, Margaret Whitehouse and uh, what's his name, Mary James Whitehouse. Furman, Mary whatever. Whitehouse. You yeah. know, doesn't matter. Oh yeah, yeah, that's the way I I live. You know, <laughs> I'll expect to knock at the door any day shortly. But, yeah. That's right. Yeah, I haven't got it anymore. If anyone's, listening. I don't have that tape anymore. <laughs> Wish I did, but uh, yeah. So there you go, little story, yeah. But yeah, necromantic is your uh, is your bad. What about your bad? I've had to really decide on this because I haven't actually watched that much. I wouldn't normally put in a film that I've done a written review for, but I'm going to this time because I haven't watched that much for fun this week. So my bad is going to be Satan's Blade. What is that known as over here? Uh, ooh, that's a good question. Um, or, is it, or is it Satan's Blade? It might be. There is another title for it. Uh, I can't call it up right now. It's out on Arrow. It's by the time this podcast comes out, then uh, the Blu-ray would have been released. Okay. You can read my full review on Flickering Myth. Gotcha. But yeah, it's a slasher film, early eighties. It's really not very good. If you collect Arrow films, then you'll probably buy it, watch it once, then just stick it on your shelf so the spine looks nice with all the rest of them. <laughs> Basically, it. Read my full review, Flickering Myth. It's just not very good. Gotcha. Go on then. Oh. What's, what's ugly? Uh, well. There's a little horror movie called, uh, I guess, I, we might call it Hashtag Horror, but it's Pound Sign Horror. Oh, yeah, I've seen that mentioned in a couple of places. Under no circumstances should you ever watch it. Okay. If you get a review copy, run away screaming. <laughs> okay. It is I, bad acting, bad story, bad script, bad directing. It, You know, it's... It, it, it's just not that good. It's horrible. It's just a, a bunch of 12-year-old kids in a horror movie. I mean, it's just... Oh, and oh, it's all it, based around social media, I expect, is it? Yeah, but I mean, movies like Unfriended, I even think even The Den, I think that's the one I'm thinking of, was better than this. Okay. You know, I mean, you could do it, and you could do it well, and this was just, it was a bad idea, and it just turned out even worse as a movie. The the social media part of it is this glitzy sparkling thing. It's just it's just not that good. Okay, well you're not sending it to me, so I, I wouldn't watch it based on the title alone. To be honest, yeah, don't. I did. Don't do it unless do it came with it. unless it was like directed by David Cronenberg or something. That sounds like something I'd steer away from. Oh, even Cronenberg's worst film is better than this by a mile. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, my ugly. Is Alien 2 on Earth? Alien 2? Alien 2, colon, on Earth. Do you know of this? No. 
It's from 1980. It's an Italian alien knockoff unofficial sequel, you know, like they used to do. Ah, gotcha. Okay. You know, Alien was popular. Let's make something like it. Yeah, they've totally, in a way, I can see what they were doing because they've totally uh, tried to make it full of tension like the first hour of Alien is. Yes. But they've got it wrong, completely wrong, and they've just made an hour where nothing actually happens. Instead of creating any tension, there's just nothing. Um, People exploring in caves under the earth. And then the last sort of 20 to 30 minutes is when the alien stuff starts happening. To be fair, the gore's pretty good um, in a sort of Italian 80s film way. But it's not a very pleasant film to look at. It's shoddily put together. It's very boring. 88 Films put it out on Blu-ray. So it's part of their uh, Italian collection. So it looks as good as it's ever going to look. It's fine, but not great. Quite boring. Good gore. Take your chances. (laughs) <laughs> oh gosh yes there you go like i said i haven't watched that much recently so as you could tell i was dipping the bottom of the barrel too <laughs> well let's move on to something a bit more exciting well i say exciting yeah we're gonna look at the amityville horror from 1979 let's do that let's look at that one first shall we let's play a trailer It's the kind of house they don't build anymore. A relic of a time when the world wasn't in such a hurry. When there was still time for a little charm and elegance. It has stood empty for a long while. And at the price, it is a bargain. For a growing young family, it is almost too good to be true. What do you think? I love it. James Brolin, Margot Kidder, Rod Steiger, in the Amityville Horror. God's peace in this house. after the Lutz family moved into their dream house. They were running for their lives. What happened to them is an experience in terror you will never forget. And you will believe in the Amityville horror. From the best-selling book that made millions believe in the unbelievable, the Amityville horror. Right then, 
Amityville Horror 1979, directed by Stuart Rosenberg, starring James Brolin, Margot Kidder, Rod Steiger, Don Stroud, Murray Hamilton, Michael Sachs, and Helen Shaver. That's probably about everybody. Yep. Have you got a synopsis? Uh, everybody knows Amityville Horror. People move into a haunted house, they move out 20 days later. 28 days later. Well, there you go. Well, with mortgage prices as they are, I'm not bloody surprised. Well, you know. Which is probably why the Lutz faked all this <laughs> stuff anyway. Oh, did I say that? Yes, oh. I, yes I did. <laughs> Give me all that ghosty nonsense. Oh. But it makes a great story, doesn't it? Well, a little known fact. I read this book when I was young and impressionable. Scared the bejesus out of me. Well, I think you'll find it's not a little-known fact because you've put that in your review of My Amityville Horror, which is on the Ancient Slumber webpage. Oh, did I mention that in the review? Very yeah. good. I <laughs> know, oh, you wrote it a long time ago. Yeah, I did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, even for, I even forgot I reviewed that. <laughs> so did I until about an hour before we did this podcast. <laughs> and then I found it, so I put it up there. Oh, but yeah, yeah. So it uh, the book had an impact on me. The movie... It was, it was okay. Right. It um, it definitely was 1970s era horror movie. Mm. I mean, you you really could tell because of James Brolin's fantastic beard. <laughs> he did have an awesome beard. He did. Everyone looked like that in the 70s. My dad looked like that in the 70s. <laughs> I, I I tend towards Margot Kidder's pigtails, but you know, no, my dad didn't look like Margot Kidder. No. it had a weird soundtrack because it had this uh, I don't know this high flute part of it and it just sounded weird to me yeah yeah I know you mean yeah I think a lot of films from that era did a bit of that though didn't they I think just uh they did and it really made it feel like a definitely a 70s which is when it was done period piece yeah I think they put those scenes in with like the little fluty music to sort of emphasize this is a scene a nice normal scene look at it look at the sun shining the birds are singing everything's happy <laughs> before they sort of hit you with something i think that's the general idea of it yeah but this was a, a two-hour movie i believe and uh, just, I, just short of two hours yeah i i, I couldn't the, the pacing to me was it was just really slow moving to me mm. you know james brolin was great the kids were well acted Margot Kidder was fantastic as always. Loved her as pigtails. I used to fancy her. Oh, Lord. You ain't kidding. I know. Um, but in the end, it... it <laughs> that really... sounded quite sinister, didn't it? I used to fancy her. <laughs> <laughs> but she spurned me. <laughs> oh, dear. Yeah. But, I, I mean, to me, this, the script was lacking. The the uh, I'll talk more about when we get towards the talking about Amityville in general. I'll share some the details about things, but mm, okay, it, you know it it just didn't do it for me, and it didn't do it for me when I first saw the movie either. Okay, well I'm gonna be a little bit more positive on it than you. I think how can you be? Well, again, nostalgia taints a lot of this for me. I first saw this in the '80s. It was on telly on a Saturday night. Okay. I think it was ITV showed this, and then the following week they showed Amityville 2, and my parents taped it off the telly. So uh, me and my, I remember me and my sister watching this, and I think what did it for me is the fact that it was, I was told by my sister that it was a quote-unquote true story, 
And I can remember asking my dad about it and I remember my dad saying, oh, yeah, the house is in Amityville. And I was like, so the house is there. You can go and you can go and look at it. And he said, yeah, 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 it's still there. You can go and see it. So that always interested me. Obviously, as I got older and I realized that it is, in fact, complete bollocks and they made it up because they couldn't pay the mortgage. But, um, yeah, I love this film. Um, and then I watched Amityville 2 after it and I'll, I'll share some thoughts on Amityville 2 later. But it's just one of those films, I think, in in the big scheme of um, 70s horror films. I don't think it's up there with The Exorcist or Halloween. I think it's the bottom of Division 1 on horror films from the 70s, I think, if you know what I mean. That's a stretch. I th- well, I think because of its name, it's got a reputation... And I think because it's got quite a high profile cast in it and it is a studio film, but I just think it is it is a bit of a slog to get through. It is quite dull in places. I do like the score. I think the score does add to it. It's that sort of that intro music, you know, sounds like the children. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I like that. Um, used better in Amityville, too, I think. But I do like it. It's got an atmosphere. It's definitely got an atmosphere. But yeah, the pacing is way off. I don't think the script's terrible. I think Brolin and Kidder are brilliant in it. I think they're really, really good. Rod Steiger as the priest is overacting it to hell, and he's the one thing that takes takes me out of the film completely. I don't like him as the priest. Um, he just shouts at everybody. Yeah, yeah. You know the other the other priest um, played by Don Stroud, I thought was a much better character than him than Rod Steiger. Yeah. What bothers me most? I watched this. I rewatched this again yesterday. What bothers me is the ending. It doesn't really end. It sort of fades out. And I know the quote unquote real life story is the family escapes. They moved on to somewhere else, but there's no real conclusion to the film. There's a storm. There's some noises. There's stuff drips down the walls. They have a panic and they run out to the van and drive off like the Scooby gang, you know? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, You know, you walk around my house, there's shit on the walls everywhere. So what? (laughs) Quite literally in some cases, but yeah, it's, I just think, they had an opportunity here to do a really solid haunted house film. And I think, I don't know, it just, they didn't quite go far enough. The special effects are clunky. They don't look very good. And I just think, you know, if, if, if a film needed a remake, I don't say needed a remake, but warranted a re- remake, then, uh, yeah, this is probably the one out of those seventies big hitters that probably needed it the most. Yeah. It's almost like the script was beneath the talents of James Brolin and Marco Kidder. Well, it is a Dino De Laurentiis film. Let's not forget that. It's not, it's not, you know, Scorsese or Coppola or anything like that, you know. Well, all right. Yeah. Yeah. But still, I mean, they're two, and let's face it, Rod Steiger and Don Stroud, they're four well established actors. Yeah. They got a good, the best thing about the film is the cast and they got a good cast. Even yep. Rod Steiger, I know he, he's more hammy than a fucking, bacon sandwich but he's a name isn't he the big name yeah yeah okay big name you know and and that's really you know that's it, it, it was just like you said it was just the, the pacing hmm. and the ending it's just like oh we, we've built it all up here sort of and then they just oh oh it's a bit okay. of noise a bit of goo and they run away did did you see the movie deliver us from evil about the police officer um I don't think so. That's not the Wes Craven one, is it? No, no. Uh, this was a this was a recent one about a, a police officer turned demonologist. I don't think so. The t- the title certainly rings a bell, but I don't think I've seen it. it, it don't bother. Okay. But but at the end of the movie, it went from normal 
to Michael Bay in like 10 seconds. Yeah. And let's be honest, the ending of this movie could have used a little Michael Bay. <laughs> I mean, let's be honest. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, it needed something. And we'll get onto this with the second film, because I think the second film does it, um, where it's one film for a certain amount of time, then it stops and it becomes something else. What? You mean The Exorcist ripoff? <laughs> we'll get there. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it, it needed ramping up. There was no real sense of threat no, by the no. end of this film. And yeah. I mean, the threat, I mean, is probably supposed to come from James Brolin as George Lutz, who, you know, his character is in, whenever he's in the house, he becomes, he feels the cold, he becomes ill, he turns on his family. Right, right. Brolin sold it well with what he had to do, but he doesn't get to do enough. And I think, you know, we'll get there with, with the remake. Yeah, there was no real threat. Exactly. You know, and I mean, there's a good line in the film that Murray Hamilton, as the priest says, he says, there's nothing that's happened in that house that can't be explained away. Right, right. And he also says another line, which is one of my favourite in the film, which is, I should have written it down. But he's uh, talking about uh, when Rod Steiger's telling him about the car that they were driving and the steering wheel locks. While they're going down the highway, Murray Hamilton says, the steering wheel locked. I think we'd be better off to blame Detroit before we blame the house. <laughs> or something like that. We'd better blame Detroit before we blame demons or something like that. Yeah. Which yeah. I thought was a really good line. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. That's, that's classic. There are moments. There are moments in this film. And like I say, it is nostalgically, it's one of those horror films that I watched at a young age when I was getting into horror. So, you know, it will always have that place for me. Right, right, right. But I think as you get older, as you get to see more and more films, especially from that era, like I said, you've got Exorcist, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Hills Have Eyes, The Omen, all these great, great 70s films. I just think that the Amityville horror is just lacks behind them slightly. Yes. Well, for me, it's a little bit uh, more than slightly. But, yeah, I get exactly what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. I say my, my views tinged with nostalgia and say it did spur me on to go and read the books that were written about it, the original novel, plus all the other, loads and loads of books. I've got loads here somewhere. So it's one of those things that's always fascinated me. And I think, yeah, as a launching ground, if you want to get into sort of the, the mythology of Amityville, it's a good place to start as any. But, yeah, it's I can see why it was picked for a remake. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, even in the, the book, now, it's been years since I read the book. and yeah, I, I lost read it about 20 years ago. Yeah, exactly. But there was more build up as they were leaving. I think there was a marching yes. band and a, and a pig and everything else was going and blood spewing out of the walls and all sorts of stuff. Yeah, I mean, you say the pig, the bit where you're supposed to see the pig in this film is, you know, it's superimposed into the upstairs window. It looks, oh man, it looks bad. It's a well, fi- it's a film that's dated, definitely. Yeah, it is dated. It is dated. Absolutely dated. Okay, well, that's a quick run through of the 1979 film. Should we have a quick run through of the of the remake? Well, let's let's give this one a score. Okay, well, let's score this one then. I'm going to go first. I give it a two out of five. You give it two red brick rooms in the basement out of five. Yes. Okay, I'm a bit. I gave it three and a half. Wow. Like I said, most of that is nostalgia. Wow. I do, yeah. yeah. I okay. do like James Brolin in this. I think he's great. Um, I think Margot Kidder in this is great. Oh, as no. always. Oh, I would happily take them out of the film and put it into another version of this film, you know, <laughs> see what they could do with better material, because I think they'd be really, really strong. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. But, um, yeah, I think 
you know, for a, a generation of kids nowadays who are probably brought up on The Conjuring and Insidious and all these types of things, I think this film would seem very old-fashioned, very dated. Yeah. yeah. But well, go on. It, it's funny. You could say that about a lot of the horror movies of that era. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, going back to our, our mate Baz over at Podcast Under the Stairs, when he does his um, franchise reviews, if you yes. notice, he really likes the remakes rather than the originals. I know he does. And it's quite interesting to hear his points because, you know, whereas we go, oh, that remake was shit, nothing compared to like Halloween, for instance, or something like that. But he picks up on things about because he's never seen the originals until now. I know. It's quite know. an interesting perspective. So, it is. Yeah. And, and it's and, and of course, it's the Baz. So, it's the I mean, Baz, the legend, <laughs> the man, the myth, the legend. The Baz. I want him to do Texas Chainsaw. Do that series. I want to hear his thoughts. <laughs> Anyway, yeah. <laughs> all uh, my sexy, my sexy chainsaw bitches. <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to do my Scottish accent because I me neither. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. Hi, Baz. Hi, Duncan. Yeah, don't worry, guys. He's on pain meds. Um, yeah. I've had painkillers and a can of Monster. I'm loving it. Right then. So yeah, you give it two. I give it three and a half. Should we move on to the next one? Yes. Right. Damageville Horror 2005. Let's play a trailer. Houses here are way out of our price range. When the business is good, we are going to have the this greatest house. It's beautiful. This is an amazing house. You are going to love it. Holy. This is the deal of a lifetime. So, what's the catch? There was a crime, a, a murder. In the house? And several people, a family. claims he heard voices coming from within the house. Houses don't kill people. <laughs> to a perfect house and to a perfect family. Who are you talking to? The girl who lives in my closet. And what's her name? Jody. What's the matter? I'm just seeing things, I guess. Why don't you come back to bed? I can't sleep. Oh, this is my mind. There was a family. Lived here some time ago. They had a similar problem. I'm living in their house. We need to get out of here. Just back up and go. Everything we have is in this house. It's okay, Mommy. Jody won't hurt you. The man Evil in my house. 
right then, Amityville Horror 2005, directed by Andrew Douglas, starring Ryan Reynolds, Melissa George, Jesse James, Jimmy Bennett, Chloe Grace Moretz, Philip Baker Hall, and David G. G or G? What do you reckon? I don't know. I don't know. He's only a minor role. We'll forget him. That's right. Sorry, David. Right. The plot for this one. Same as the last one. <laughs> People move in. They run away. So this uh, uh, Chloe Moretz. Yes. What, re- what recent movie did she play in? A little bit of trivia. She was in uh, the Carrie remake. Yes, she was. Yes. Still, never mind. She did well in that. I wrote a review. She really did well in that. With the painted on blood. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, come on. I'm talking about her acting performance. No, she didn't sell it to me. So yeah. she didn't. She didn't look like the school outcast. <laughs> she looked like the prom princess from the very beginning of the film. <laughs> didn't work for me. I thought that was an interesting point, though, in the movie was uh, the fact that she did look like the prom princess, but she was still quote unquote an outcast. Yeah, or she was just a popular name in movies at the time. Ah, who knows? Stunt casting, you know. Anyways, let's get back to uh. Right. Okay. Amity Horror 2005. Did you see exactly. this in the cinema? No. No, I did. Really? Yeah. As soon as I got wind that there was an Amityville remake, it was fresh off the back of Texas Chainsaw remake, which I love, as you know. Okay. And just after Dawn of the Dead as well, which I like that as well. Uh, then this one came along, so I said, right, I'm going to go and see that at cinema. And, okay. And I bloody did. Well, how did you think Ryan Reynolds did compared to James Brolin? Now... I know Ryan Reynolds cops a lot of flack off a lot of people for certain things. Yes. I think this is one of those films where people who slag off Ryan Reynolds say, oh, he can't act, he just does the same thing. Show them this. Yes, exactly. I've done really well. I don't think he's better than James Brolin in the role, but I think the role was written slightly different. Really? Yeah. I disagree. Well, fuck you. I... (laughs) I think he was better than James Brolin in this role. Okay. I think he played the quote unquote mental collapse that might occur if this were actually real. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot better. He was, uh, you know, more of a, more of a stepfather in the beginning and he showed his visible tension more and his relaxation better when he got away from the house. Okay. Yeah. Overall, I really thought he, his performance was a lot better. Now look, let's be honest. Green Lantern. And Blade 3 were not his fault or his responsibility. He did what he could with the role. <laughs> but but here, I think he really he did really well. Mm, okay. He did really well. I agree. I agree what you say. I think he did, uh, you know, the, the, the scenes where he's away from the house and he has to be sort of normal again. Absolutely agree. I think that's more to do with the writing than the performance. I think that in the original film, George Lutz wasn't written as well as Ryan Reynolds' George Lutz is. Definitely, I think you're right. Absolutely, I think you're right. I think if you took Ryan Reynolds out of this film and put James Brolin into that role, given that script, and told to act that part, I think that would have been fantastic. Okay. I think he would have... And that's nothing against Ryan Reynolds. I think Ryan Reynolds is absolutely fine in this. I think he does well. I just think he was given more to do in this film than what Brolin was given. I didn't consider that point, and I think you're right. Especially, Especially when he has the mental collapse at the end. Yeah. Yeah, much better, much better um, script than the first movie. Yeah, I think the writing is better, and that's why. But I mean, either uh, to be, I'll say now, either actor I think did the role justice with what they had. Agreed. And they're both, do, a, lot, I, they're both a lot better than the real George Lutz. If you've ever seen him being interviewed. Oh, we'll get to that. Yes, yeah. because I did, and I went back and I watched 
a, cu- a few interviews. Okay. So I did. I actually did that. <laughs> so did I. But um... so yeah. So we like Ryan Reynolds. What about Melissa George? I actually liked her. I thought she did a reasonable job. Mm-hmm. Um, she certainly I, nothing against Melissa. Okay. Mm-hmm. But I think Ryan Reynolds kind of stole the show. I think yes, she was working really hard to keep up with a much better actor. I haven't seen her in anything recently. I don't know how she's matured, but she's been that, in a few, she's been in a few things. You know, at that time she did well, but she was kind of overshadowed. You you had a level of expectation because of Ryan Reynolds' performance. Yeah, I think she did well. I, I'm not so sure whether the role was written exactly as strongly as it could have been. I agree. Whether she was better than Margot Kidder, I don't know. I think I think Margot Kidder did a little bit better. Yeah, I think she was maybe a little bit more believable, not quite as whiny. But I think Melissa George is fine. Um, she's good in other films that she's been in. I do remember reading at the time that this came out that there was pretty much nobody else who wanted the role. Ah, okay. Like that. So it was one of those films where Ryan Reynolds and Melissa George were the people who sort of put their hands up and said, yeah, I'll do it. And so they did it. Yeah. Well, when we get to the feedback, Gore Blimey makes an excellent point of she slips into an Aussie accent every once in a while. Yes. Yeah. She's from uh, she used to be in an Aussie soap opera called Home and Away in the 90s for many years. That's how we know her over here, mainly. Yeah, I think she's absolutely fine. I prefer Philip Baker Hall as the priest than I do to Rod Steiger shouting his mouth off. (laughs) He uh, I I I watched. they had a little making of documentary mm. <laughs> and I, and I watched it and I got a, got some good laugh because, you know, there was one where he had to do his own stunt and it was, it was quite funny to watch the making of, you know, where he's yeah. got to fall off the chair and yeah. he's, he's not a young man, is he? <laughs> no, no, no. But um, I like him as an actor anyway. I think he's always a good authoritarian presence to have in a film and it's, and he, he underplays it. And I like that. I think it works for this film. What's what's sad for me personally is every time I see him, all I can think of is Bookman, the library cop from Seinfeld. Oh, right. I don't know. It's not fair to him. But every time I see him, I go, oh, it's Bookman. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the library cop. OK, yeah. so, you know, he's. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but he, uh, he doesn't spend the film shouting, which is what Rod Steiger did. He's very underplayed. He's very um, he plays it more restrained which i think works yes so how did you feel about the whole plot and storyline taking such a huge departure from the book it doesn't bother me because it makes a great story anyway so you know i don't mind that they emphasize the john ketchum side of the story which is mentioned in the original film it is it It is. is that's blown up to bigger proportions here um, I think if you look into the John Ketchum thing, there's no actual proof that he was anywhere near Salem or was ever accused of being a witch or anything like that. Probably. <laughs> I did look into this years ago, I'll be honest. <laughs> I think the only evidence they've got is there was somebody called John Ketchum and he may have been in the Amityville, New York area at some point, And that's about <laughs> it. So, uh, yeah, you know, it's it's a plot point that they blow up in this film. As regards to close to the book... I know it doesn't really bother me to be honest it, it, yeah it, it it makes for an entertaining film i yeah it does uh i guess i had an expectation because i'd read the book and blah 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 but didn't really care for the dog scene could have done without that 
What, the going back for the dog? No, where he killed the dog. Oh, that one. Well, yeah. I mean, really? Come on. I think I mean, that's just put in there to show how much he's changed as from the family <laughs> man, isn't it? I mean, that's why it's there. I think his performance would have uh, did that quite well, didn't need the dog thing. Okay. But, you know, what do you think of the ending? Uh, I think the ending is a lot better than the original because it actually builds to a crescendo. Agreed. It goes a bit sort of slash and stalk at the end, <laughs> which obviously the original story isn't like that at all. But again, this is a film. It's a Platinum Dooms film. You know, they're not going to stick close to the book. Let's be, right, let's right, be right. serious. <laughs> but yeah, I think it's a movie. It becomes an entertaining horror movie. I think Ryan Reynolds is pretty good. His contact lenses are a bit dodgy at some points, but um, you can see the edges of them. But uh, <laughs> I like the ending. It goes bloody. It goes tense. You know, it builds to a point where, boom, something happens and they get out. And there's a sense of relief. Agreed. The only bit I don't like, and I've always said this about this film, is what drags it down for me is the little ghosty girl, Jodie. Yes, you don't yeah. you didn't need to see you didn't see her in the original film. You don't need to see her in this film. Correct. I know why they did it. I know you know this is two thousand and five CGI effects and all ghost stories and all that uh, the rage. And yeah, I think it's one of those things. It's just that films at the time did that. I think you could take her out of it completely and it wouldn't make, it wouldn't make the film any worse. This is one of those endings where it's one of those things that drives me nuts. Hmm. Um, there was a movie called Crow's Nest. It was found footage. Don't sigh. <laughs> of course it was. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't you but review that? For I, I did. One of our previous endeavors. I did. Yes. And there's a scene where they dropped the video camera and they could have just ended the movie. Yeah. No, 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 no. They go back and find the video camera and they get killed. Look, they got Ryan Reynolds knocked out. You know, there's George Lutz. He's knocked out and they tie him up and drag him to the boat. I would have just gotten the hell out of there. Yeah. You know, I mean, and they do honest. and they do and they get out and you see the house from a distance and they say, don't look at it. Let's go. Yeah. yeah and yeah, they yeah. go, boom. Yeah. And then it just flashes back to the house and you see the little ghosty girl stand there. It doesn't need to be there. It doesn't serve a purpose. No, it's just that little niggle of, yeah, okay, they knocked him out. Now they're going to carry him out. It's just like, okay, guys, really? We're just going to stretch this out? <laughs> mm, yeah. You know. Yeah, that's the only thing for me that really sort of drags this film down. Apart from that, I think it's an entertaining modern horror film. I like the look of the house. I like the acting. I like the script. Absolutely. I've looked online at a lot of people's thoughts on this and they really do give it a bit of a slating some people. And I think the only reason that is, is because it's a remake. Yes. If you go back to the original film, it's a film that could have been improved massively and it has been as far as I'm concerned. Yes. Yes. So based on that, I'm giving this four. Wow. Brick red rooms out of five. Wow. Yeah. It's a solid four. I always like watching this film. It's entertaining. and It's good fun. To me, this is a solid three. Okay. So I don't know what version you watched, but the version I had was a, a DVD. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's mine. And there was a uh, – I found this interesting. There was a little clip on there called Supernatural Homicide. Right. And they really focused there on the DeFeo murders, and there was only a veiled reference to the Amityville stuff. Yeah, okay. And it's interesting because it was 2005, so by then everybody knew it was complete shit. Yeah. Well, some people still don't. Well. Like Daniel Lutz, for instance. Yes. And <laughs> and Lorraine Warren, but. Oh, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
you know, her her career, she has to, you know, say that. Mm. Okay. <laughs> but, yeah, I found that interesting that um, Lorraine Warren was the only one who made any obtuse reference to what happened to the Lutzes uh, in that whole documentary. So, yeah, I've got the UK DVD um, and there are some pretty cool extra features on there, actually. Some um, d- documentaries on there. I'll also say that I've got the two-disc special edition of the original Amityville Horror DVD, uh, which you can pick up for a couple of quid over here. That's worth getting because on the second disc, they've got about three or four good, uh, good-sized good documentaries. Oh, OK. OK. Um, a couple of them are those um, Histories Mysteries TV show. Oh, yeah. OK. There's a couple of those on there, which are really, really good. There's another one called, um, oh, what's it called? Is it just called Get Out or? No, for God's sake, Get Out, which is really, really good documentary, just sort of going through the uh, quote unquote facts of the case. Yes. But yeah, so, you know, both films are worth picking up on DVD just to get the supplementary material, really. Oh, OK. OK. I actually had to rent it uh, on uh, Vudu. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Ooh, there you go. Yeah, I had to pay. I rented it to watch it for this. Good for you. Yeah, well, though. I Somebody makes some money out of it. <laughs> Walmart. Yeah. Well, they've got enough. I'm going to say now I prefer the remake to the original. I have to agree. Absolutely. But I'm not dismissing the original at all. Again, it's that thing of if you put them both in front of me and say, you watch one right now, I'll watch the remake. Yes. Every time. Yeah. Okay. Good. Right. We do have feedback. We got it from Mr. Glore. But, uh, Glore. Mr. Gore. Glore. Glore. I mean. Gloria Estefan has sent us some feedback. (laughs) Mr. Gore Blimey from the Trilogy of Terror podcast. Ooh, yes, let's play that. Hi, Chris and Myron. Gore Blimey here from the Trilogy of Terror podcast with a few comments on the 2005 version of the Amityville Horror. First off, I have to confess, I saw the original Amityville Horror once, about 30 years ago, and can't remember a thing about it. Apart from it left no real impression on me at all. Maybe I'd see it differently as an adult with a broader understanding of horror films. Well, I don't know, because I have a copy of it somewhere and I'm buggered if I can find it. So my plan of comparing what I thought of the two films has gone out the window and I've had to watch the remake as a movie in its own right. And talking of which, I do like the opening. Okay, it's nothing new, but I liked how they intercut police crime scene photos with the on-screen killings. The over-theatrical thunder and lightning and strobe flashes are a bit over the top, but it's Michael Bay's Platinum Dunes company, so I don't think subtlety is really on the cards here. I must say, I was genuinely impressed with Ryan Reynolds' performance, very different to what I'm used to seeing him do, and he's genuinely scary. I thought the dark contact lenses are over-egging the pudding a bit, and his possession and change of personality seemed a bit rushed, But hey, he spends half the film shirtless or wearing wet clinging clothes and he certainly helps to firm up my uh, overall view of the film. Former Home and Away actress Melissa George also does a good job in this. She's believable as the traumatised wife, trying to come to terms with the supernatural, protect her family and hope we don't notice the occasional slip into Australian accent. In fact, the acting overall is pretty good throughout, and that includes the child actors, which, believe me, is not something you'll hear me saying often. The iconic house of the title is clearly not the original one. The building and its location are very different, but I actually liked how they took a couple of recognisable details to use as a shorthand to make us believe we were at the right place and go with it. 
I also enjoyed the nod to Amityville 3, with a character being attacked by a swarm of flies, though sadly not in 3D this time. I've never read the book, so I can't really comment on whether this is nearer to the original story than the 1979 movie. The secret, blocked-off replica of the London dungeon at the back of the basement seems a tad unlikely for something based on a true story, especially as it seems to have Gollum in one of the cells, but who knows. The film does have a few problems. Some aspects feel a bit clichéd. The thundery storm that comes and goes whenever high drama is needed. The family dog. Come on, it's a horror film. We all knew that wasn't going to end well. A child with an invisible friend, an alarm clock frozen at the time of a murder, rolling mist in the background, and doors slamming shut by themselves. But on the whole, it's an entertaining movie to watch if you don't think of it as a remake or based on a true story. While it has more atmosphere than scares a lot of the time, there are still a few genuinely tense moments. The log cutting scene was an absolute highlight of terror. And no, I didn't just like it because it featured Ryan Reynolds getting wood and waving a big chopper around. How tacky do you think I am? Anyway, I can't say whether it's a good remake, and I feel the true story claim might be pretty stretched at times. There's nothing particularly fresh or new here, but it has strong performances, good atmosphere, and as a standalone film, it's pretty watchable, just not too memorable. I always love Gore's... Uh... I always love Gore's uh, feedback. I love Gore's feedback. I love the way he just stops suddenly, every time. <laughs> He's great. It's brilliant. It's good when I play it back through my iTunes account, because it's sudden. I did it earlier on, it played it back, and it suddenly stopped and went into Motorhead. I was like, great! <laughs> I thought Gore's playing Motorhead. Oh, no, he's not. That's just gone onto my uh, playlist. Oh, never mind. I love it when Gore talks and reviews uh, uh, Ryan Reynolds' films. He is <laughs> absolutely hilarious. Oh, you've got a bit of a crush on him. Uh, yeah. Um, he does. Really, me. <laughs> and, and this, and this film, objectifying him like that. How dare ex- you? I gore, gore, gore. <laughs> but he, he does make a honest to god interesting point. There is a lot of shirtless Ryan Reynolds in this film. <laughs> okay. Uh, I think we should have I, balanced it out with a shirtless Melissa George. Damn it, we should have. Yeah. Fair enough, isn't it? Fair enough. All's fair in love and toplessness. Exactly. Yes. Exactly. But yes, I'm going to pick Gore up on his point. I don't think the remake is homaging Amityville 3. I don't think anyone will ever homage Amityville 3. <laughs> no, but there are flies in the original. I think that that is from the book as well. So Yes, it is. Yes, it is from the book. Uh, but, so anyways, there we go. Yes, thanks a lot, Gore. Should we delve into a bit of sequel talk? Yeah. Because, because Amityville is one of those franchises where Films get churned out and churned. I think there's about 14 of them in total now. <laughs> I tried counting them last night. Yeah, don't. It was... Oh, God. Don't. I actually, um, in, in one of my previous lives, I used to do a franchise overview every week. I used to take a franchise and go through the whole lot and review each film. And uh, I did Amityville once. Oh, God. And I think this is what, the point where there was about 11 of them. Oh, jeez. Yeah. The last one that, that was was start again chris the last one was the found footage one which i believe is called the amityville haunting going from memory yeah something like that yeah so i did the first film up until that one i'll never get that time back unfortunately (laughs) but believe me the words just flowed when it came to writing about them oh god (laughs) the uh and i made it through 
10 minutes of the foul footage one before I just couldn't even take it anymore. Yeah, it is. It was, it was bad. Even you thought it was bad. Yeah. Fucking yeah. Up. It is shit. It's not even the Amityville house, for fuck's sake. It's, yeah. And there's no even reference to the Amityville house. In it. Exactly. So I'm going to say this, right. Let's go start with Amityville 2, The Possession, from 1982. Yep. I rewatched this last night. I fucking love this film. This is one of my oh, go-to. You know, everybody. Oh, don't you God. sigh on me. Oh, God. <laughs> you know, everybody has a handful of what I would call go-to films. You know, like a comfortable pair of slippers. There's nothing else to watch. I'll put this on and I know I'll enjoy it. Yeah. That's what Amityville 2 is for me. I love this film. I think it's, <sighs> I know it's bad. It's but horrible. Same, but at the same time, it's fucking brilliant. It's entertaining. Oh, God. It's it, it's one half Amityville, one half exorcist yeah i mean quick <laughs> overview it's based on the um the defeo murders from 1974 which happened before the lutzes moved in yep, um yep. it takes a fuck of a lot of liberties with the with the actual event and i'm guessing that's probably to do with uh what's the word not licensing issues but you know what i mean yeah playing it safe for legal yes, issues yes. well there i mean there's been <sighs> lawsuits plural over yes. this film, so I do know that George Lutz tried to sue Dino De Laurentiis when this film came out. Yes, even I mean, though was... George Lutz isn't even mentioned in the fucking film. But... I know it's it's funny, but uh, yeah, it's basically the the Tofio. Well, they're called the Montellis in this film. They move in. Um, Bert Young plays the father, who I love. Bert Young, and you know my love for Rocky films, but you know he's basically doing the same role here, but he's given a shotgun, and he's an abusive <laughs> father. Yeah, I know. Italian American father. It's exactly the same role. I didn't think about that. With a gun. (laughs) At least Rocky never gave him a gun. Fucking hell, imagine that. Yeah, oh God. But yeah, they move in. Weird things start to happen. The eldest son, played by Jack Magna, who never went on to anything else, which is a shame because I think he's quite good in this. He did well. Yep. He gets involved in an incestuous relationship with his older sister, played by Diane Franklin. Was there a a flash of boob and nipple that I saw? It was. That's what I thought. Guess what? What? It was hers. (laughs) But yeah. So she's what, 25 playing a 15-year-old? Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) uh, Actually, scrap that. Right. Last night, I watched the um, collector's edition DVD of this, which I own, which is a Oh Jesus! Christ. Comes in a slipcase. It's got steel cards oh, with a book. Oh, it's fantastic! Oh God! But it the oh, best Christ. thing is it comes with a commentary from Stephen Jones and Kim Newman. Okay, you're aware of who they are? No clue. No, they're horror writers, film critics, and horror writers. Uh, very well respected over here. It's a brilliant commentary. It really is. They delve into not just Amityville 2, I mean Amityville as a whole. And uh, some of the facts they were coming out with were brilliant. But they did say that there was um, probably a deleted scene involving the incest. Oh, really? Yes. Uh, apparently more was filmed. And I did do some research, because I do sometimes. <laughs> and apparently there was a scene that was cut out where the father anally rapes the mother. As if he wasn't a fucking git already. <laughs> oh, Jesus. As if you needed oh, another God. reason to hate him. Yeah, this it was going to go into full-on exploitation territory, but uh, they cut that out. But um, yeah, if you're going to buy this film, if you get to get the collector's edition DVD, trust me, the commentary is worth paying for. It is brilliant. Oh. But yeah, uh, there's incest. The son gets possessed. He offs the family. Then there's a bit. It turns into The Exorcist at the end. Yes. 
Yeah, there you go. Uh, it's total nonsense. It's based on the book Murder in Amityville, which is really the courtroom account of Ronald DeFeo's trial. Have you read it? No. No, I have a copy here. I read it a couple of years ago. Yeah, it's basically transcripts from the courtroom about what happened. <laughs> which is what it's based on. And the possession <laughs> angle didn't come out until a few years. Stop laughing. I'm trying to be serious. <laughs> they took the ending of the exorcist. Yes, they did. <laughs> they bloody did. But yeah, it's the possession. Oh. The possession thing didn't come out until years later after Ronald DeFeo was locked away anyway. And he came out and said the voices told him to do it. And that's basically what this film is. They've taken that as the central idea oh, of the film and blown it up into a complete babies. work of fiction. Um, yes, it's total bollocks, but I like it. I think it's good fun. There's a lot to laugh at. But I think the performances are good. James Olsen as the priest is a lot fucking better than Rod Steiger in the original. Agreed. Even even his wig's pretty good in this. It had a phone call from hell in it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yeah, and, and the Walkman. The voice is coming out the Walkman. Yeah, yeah. And, and they even tried to do the shot of the priest going in at the, you know, at the exorcist. You got Father Marin. He's standing in front oh, of the yeah, house. Yeah. They, uh, they even tried to do one of those lamppost shots. Yeah, they do. They do rip a lot off of it. Oh, the spinning God, it bed. Was, oh, God. Uh, interesting you mentioned that shot of the priest actually going into the house because there is a scene as a special feature on the DVD. Okay. It was never shot for the film, but there was a, a promotional shot at the time of the priest standing in the basement, surrounded by um, those lost souls that come out the wall. Yeah. yeah. Oh God, yes, yes. Yeah. We know in the film they do just they walk out, then they walk back in, don't they? Yeah, they well, do. The, the picture shot is of them surrounding the priest and him walking up the stairs with the crucifix in front of him, oh, and. And they do like an animated um, version of what that scene would look like if it was fully filmed. Yeah. It's really good, actually. I quite like it. But Oh, OK. All right. It's a shame they didn't film it for the film. but uh, Not really. Yeah. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> oh, God. Considering the shit that you say you like every week, fucking hell, <laughs> this is like a masterpiece. <laughs> I gave this a 1.5 out of 5. Well, that's your... Entitlement, isn't it? Right. <laughs> yes. It's a solid four for me. Did you fall and hit your head? Are you feeling feverish? <laughs> Probably. Do you have Ebola? It's a great film. <laughs> Honestly. Okay. All right. I trust you. Trust me. It's great. I'm sorry. That 1.5, I gave it a one. Well, damn you. What, what, what did you give it? A four? Four. It's a solid four. <laughs> Only knocked down by some crazy editing. <laughs> and some weird audio looping. I I guess I understand now how you feel about my love for found footage films. No, I'll, ne- I'll never understand that. <laughs> she was on the other foot here. No, it isn't. Damn you. Damn you. All right, then. Th- this, right. Mo- this movie makes Argento's Dracula a solid five stars. You take that back. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, dang. Oh, God help us. Right. With that in mind, should we just talk about Amityville 3 quickly? I haven't seen it. <laughs> I couldn't Good. Find. It's the best film you'll ever see. No, it's yeah. not. <laughs> I cry bullshit. <laughs> no. Amityville 3 is actually, it's it's okay. It's not brilliant. 
it's very much in tonally in keeping with the first two. You feel like you're in the same sort of universe. Okay. What they do is they try to go down the scientific angle. And the story is about a, uh, a journalist who stays at the house. He doesn't believe all these hauntings and stuff. So he stays at the house to see what if anything happens. And invariably it does. It's not great. Is it found footage? No, no, no. Oh, damn. Meg Ryan's in it. A very young Meg Ryan. Oh, OK. There's a couple of creepy scenes in it. I will say there's a scene where he's in the house and he sees his daughter's friend walk through the house and she's soaking wet and he speaks to her and she doesn't answer him. And then later on, you find out that that girl had actually drowned in the lake that day. That is creepy. And it's, it's when you watch it, it's quite creepily done. So there's little there's touches in there. There's more flight. More than I could say about the second one. Fuck off. There's um lots of flies in this one, I think, as uh, Gore mentions in his uh, in his feedback. Um. I don't think the flies in Amityville remake were to a homage to Amityville 3, like Gore says they are, because it does happen in the original <laughs> film as well. I think that's what they were doing. But yeah, Amityville 3, it's fine. It feels a bit like a TV movie. Okay. The budget isn't as big. It was in 3D originally. It came out the same time as, you know, Jaws 3 and Friday the 13th 3 and all that sort of stuff. Okay. I've had this film for years on a bog standard DVD, which, which looks pretty crap. A couple of weeks ago on eBay, I won the Special Collector's Edition DVD. Oh, God. Which is the same sort of format as the Amityville 2 one oh. I've got. Oh, God. With a commentary from Stephen Jones and Kim Newman, <laughs> which I, I'm looking I... forward to hearing, but it didn't arrive before recording. Have you fallen down? Do you have a head injury? Shut up. But, um, no, it, I won it a couple of weeks ago, and the guy mailed me afterwards and said, I'm going on holiday tomorrow. I'll post it when I get back. So I was like, oh, bollocks. So I won't get to hear it before I do this show. So um, he mailed me yesterday and said he's posted it. So hopefully I should get it this week. And I will, oh, report, I will report back once I've heard the commentary, see if it's worth picking up. So, yeah, Amityville 3 um, is the last of the sequels that I would say is worth looking at. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I looked at some of the titles and some of the synopsis on Wikipedia. Ooh. From what I remember, um, right. Amityville 4, the, I think it's called The Evil Escapes, is a TV movie. If you catch it on TV, I would say watch it because it is one of the most hilariously bad films you'll ever see. Oh, God. Okay. It's about a haunted... Somebody buys a lamp from the Amityville house and it's haunted. Oh, and every geez. so often a cartoon face appears in it. And it's got... The film has the worst ever grandmother in the film. She hates her grandkids. She just seems to send them to their rooms for the slightest reason she really fucking hates her grandkids um yeah it's hilariously awful don't spend any money looking for it if it's on telly just catch it and have a laugh with it but don't bother buying okay. it um the other films are all crap apart one of them is called it's about time it's called yeah from 1992 i think out of the rest of them there was a couple of okay bits in that one Okay. I believe it's to do with an architect who designs like a whole sort of village of mini Amityville houses or something like that, based on a clock that he finds in one of the... Yeah. Yeah, it's shit, but it was the most watchable out of the sequels. Don't bother with any others. Aren't we getting a new one next year? Yes, I was going to say there's a new one coming. It's coming out this year, apparently. Oh, great. Yeah, there's a new one coming. I believe it's made by people involved with The Conjuring and Insidious and all those sorts of films. Really? Yes, and I have seen the trailer. It does look quite interesting, as long as they actually put the Amityville house in it, because the house hasn't actually been in any of the films since the third one. Well, they changed the address, and they changed the house. 
Well, yes, but for the sake of films, they could have used a prop, couldn't they? <laughs> yes. Because <laughs> all the ones yeah. after the third one are to do with things that were in the original house that have now come out. Yeah. Uh, apparently, I mean, true story, apparently they changed the address. There's no longer a 112 Ocean Avenue. Yeah. And they had to, they changed the house. They took out the two eye windows and That's other right. stuff uh, because of all the visitors they'd get. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Kim Newman says that in the commentary on the second. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, they moved the house. They've rechanged it. And the people who live in there now have lived in there for years and nothing's happened to them. No, no. Nothing happened to the people who bought the house right after the Lutzes. Nothing really happened to the Lutzes. Come on. All right. I was. Yeah. Yeah. Should we should we delve into a little bit of that? Well, first, why don't we, uh, you know, my feelings on the movie documentary, uh, my Amityville. What, yeah. what did you think? My Amityville horror. I think that Daniel Lutz believes everything he says. Yes. I think he believes that he saw all these things and these yes. things happened to his family. Yes. I don't think they did, but he believes either. it, you know, in a I, week, I, in a week of British politics where we've had the Chilcot report, you know, Tony Blair believed that there was weapons of mass destruction there, but they weren't. I think you can going on the same principle, really. Yeah. If somebody yeah. believes something, it's hard to disprove it, isn't it? And really, what I took away from that movie was George Lutz really did a number on this kid. Yes. A lot of details come out about George Lutz, which weren't sort of previously available. His his other brother, Chris Lutz. Yes. Had a, had a whole scam going for a while. Yeah. I mean, it's just painfully obvious. It, it, it It's just obvious that George did a number on the, on the whole, on the kids. And if you've ever seen any interviews with his, with George and Kathy, I think he did a number on her too. On one of the, uh, special features on the Amityville Horror 79 disc. There's an interview with several people who've gone through the facts of the case lots of times. And the one thing that comes out, and one of the guys on there, and he says, when he interviewed the kids originally at the time, he says, you asked them a question and they gave an answer just like that. He said it was rehearsed. It was slick. It was polished. Nobody thought about anything. He said as if the answers had been drilled into them. Right. And he says, and George Lutz was always present. Yes. And I think if you look through this documentary, Daniel Lutz has got a lot of issues when it comes to his stepfather, and rightly so. Yeah. I think there was a, uh, what's the word? An element of fear towards George Lutz. A, a big element. Uh, they were scared of him, obviously. The only thing about all of these Amityville stories, the only thing that you can say are 100% factual are the fact that the DeFeo murders happened in that house. Yes. In 1974. Yes. Uh, how no, the neighbours didn't hear the shots or anything like that is still a mystery. But, you know, it could be explained. You know, thunder, wind, whatever. The house right. is set back off the main road, all sorts of things. Yeah, but the house isn't. I mean, in both movies, they show it as this expansive kind of set off the main road thing. But the, no, the real house wasn't actually, was it? It was like 50 feet from the other yeah. neighbours. There's know? a good bit actually in the commentary of Amityville 2. When you know the scene where um, everybody's dead and the priest goes and stands outside the house and just looks at it when it's snowing. Yes. And one of the neighbours turns up and puts her hand on his shoulder. And uh, Kim Newman says, where was that neighbour when the six gunshots were going off? <laughs> <laughs> I know. I know. Yeah. I, I actually watched interviews with uh, George Kathy Lutz on. Um, they did one on Good Morning America mm. way back when. 
And they also did one on the old Merv Griffin show. Right. And the Merv Griffin show one had Rod Steiger on it as well. And that's where they showed the Warren photograph of the supposed uh, boy in the ghost boy in the photograph. That who was no, who was the son of one of the crew members. Yeah. Yeah. And and they also showed the photograph of the 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 uh, monk who had the stigmata for fifty years. I can't remember his name, but you could see his face in the moose antlers. And you know, I'm going, <laughs> wow, these people have left the building. Oh, there's no. I mean, on that those documentaries on the disc. There's footage of um, who's the guy? Is it Hans Holzer? Who's the parapsychologist who wrote the book? Yeah, and he says he shows these photos and he says, "Oh, you can clearly see the spirit of an Indian here." No, I can't. I can see a black blob where someone's moved the camera whilst taking the photo. <laughs> I know. I can see the light distortion where someone hasn't put the flash on properly. You know, he's going, "Oh no, you can clearly see it's the silhouette of an Indian chief." What? <laughs> You know, and it's the same if you watch that documentary about The Shining. Uh, what's it called? Room 217? 237. 237. Yeah, if you watch that and you listen to people's theories and they're going, you know, when you watch the film, you can clearly see that Jack Nicholson is walking around this part of the corridor when in real life he wouldn't. And you think, just shut the fuck up. <laughs> yes, You're exactly. thinking far too much about this. Well, it, where, does really... the, where does logic come into it? What's really funny is on the Good Morning America interview, they had James Brolin. Yes. And at the time they did that interview, James Brolin swears up and down he believed everything <laughs> that the Lutz has said. Yeah. He believed absolutely everything. If you, look at the, he, if you look at the documentary on the disc, I think he says the, something similar, but with a smile and a wink. Okay. All right. Gotcha. Yes. <laughs> and he says something along the lines of, makes a great story, doesn't it? And I think that's, that, that is at the heart of Amityville. It makes yes. a great story. Yes. It's so it's come out since you know the Lutzes had money troubles. They couldn't afford the mortgage. They got together with the lawyer whose name escapes me, uh, Weber. Somebody, William Weber. William Weber. Yes. Yeah, and I think you know, it, and William Weber's on this disc, and he says, you know, I got together with George Lutz over a bottle of wine and blah blah blah. And here you go. Here's what we end up with, you know. <laughs> yeah. But you know, it is. I think going back to my Amityville horror, at the end of it, I was um, – it, it just had a sad feeling because yeah. here's this here's this poor dude, and he's just been screwed up ten ways till Sunday. Yeah, and you absolutely – I say he, everything he says is says with conviction. He really truly believes that all these things happened in the house. But, you know, I mean, as well in the documentary, you've got other parapsychology. You've got Lorraine Warren, of course, because she has to pop up in bloody everything. Oh, consequently, have you seen Conjuring 2? Not yet. No, because there's, there's an Amityville bit at the beginning of that, apparently. I haven't seen it yet. Well, there's one at the end of The Conjuring. Well, interesting note. Um, you know, Conjuring 2 is based on the Enfield haunting. Yes. Ed and Lorraine Warren didn't investigate the Enfield haunting. Really? For all these people who are saying, oh, it's based on a true story. Uh, no, it's not entirely. Apparently, there was a guy whose name escapes me. His name is Greg something and who was documenting the whole uh, uh, Enfield haunting. When it was all being investigated, Ed and Lorraine Warren turned up. Apparently, they were there for a day before you could make lots of money out of this was mentioned. And they were swiftly told to piss off. <laughs> Well, I mean, if you remember the end of The Conjuring, he gets a phone call and says, uh, we got another job in Amityville or something like that. Yeah, but they won't do a full-on Amityville with those 
same people, I don't think, because there's probably a licensing issue involved. Yeah, 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 exactly. But, um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, Ed and Lorraine Warren, you know, they made a career out of scamming people, let's be honest. They they believed it. I mean, they... Well, they believed they'd make lots of money. <laughs> oh. And you sound like you're you're treading very carefully. <laughs> no, no, I... I, I <laughs> I absolutely agree. It just, it's funny. You know, they got a whole museum. They got the real Annabelle doll in there. And, oh, of course. You know, you know, and when you read the whole, you hear things about the real Annabelle story, you know, obviously the movie went Michael Bay, period. Yeah. You know, but, so. you know, I'm not going to slag them off for conning people out of money because let's be honest, if people are stupid enough to believe what all this crap, then they deserve everything they get. Yes. And I present to you all the people who voted for Donald Trump. <laughs> Well, I'll just say one word, Brexit. There you yeah, go. exactly. But, um, yeah, it's the same thing, you know, other films from the 70s, you know, Texas Chainsaw Massacre was based on a true story. Well, no, it wasn't, was it? <laughs> yes, somebody at some point somewhere has killed somebody with a chainsaw. That doesn't mean it's based on a true story. <laughs> you know, The Exorcist was based on a true story. No, it was based on bullshit account of something that allegedly happened, which actually didn't. You know, it's... yeah. It's bullshit, but it it sells. It still does. It still the, does. At, at the time, it sold, and it still does sell. Yeah, you know. And every time something new with Amityville connected to it flips up, I do have an interest in it, purely on an entertainment level, I'll be honest. <laughs> I haven't what watched other? the last couple of films, I'll be honest. There's one called Playhouse, I think, Amityville oh, Playhouse. Oh, dear God. An Amityville Asylum. I haven't seen oh, those. God. Not really looking forward to them. I will get to them at some point, I expect. I know I won't. Yeah. But uh, I, I think I may check out the new one when it comes out, if well, if chances allow. Yeah. At least it, at least it looked like there was a bit of production value behind it. It looked interesting. It looked like somebody had actually bothered to actually put some special effects in. Yep. Yep. You know, so. So you know, you know about how much it costs to go to a movie. Right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, if you take one other person and you have popcorn and Coke, you've dropped a 40. Yeah. You you have to sell your car to pay for it. Yeah. Yeah. We got this new thing going on over here where you can pay a monthly subscription fee and go to one movie a day. Right. I'm going to try that, I think. I haven't got the time to go to one movie a day. Well, but if you go to one movie, you pay for a month. All you have to do is go to one movie a month and you pay for it. Yeah, I mean, there are things over here where you can buy, um, like loyalty cards and all that, and you, you, you spend so much on that a month, say 12, 15 pounds a month, and you can go as often as you like. Oh, yeah, yeah. I got those too. Yeah, I mean, that's fine, but I mean, I don't like going to the cinema anyway because other people are there and other people are bastards. Yeah. Not aware of what's going on around them. They talk on their phone. They fucking slob out on popcorn and food. It's not a fucking restaurant. If you want to go and graze, go and sit in a fucking field. <laughs> You know, I, I, I never go on opening night or opening weekend. Oh, no, 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 no. I always go much later. And, you know, usually there's like four people in the movie theater when I go. So, yeah, I like it when it's like that. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. I remember going to watch. Um, oh, it was either Land of the Dead or Diary of the Dead. One of them. And uh, there was nobody else in there. It was just me. It was fucking brilliant. I, I was the only one when I went to see Sinister. Well, that's understandable. Yeah, okay. We'll have this debate later. There's nothing to debate, it's shit. No, it's not. It's you can a great say movie. that's great and Amityville 2's not. Yes. Oh, man. Fuck. With a straight face. Fucking hell. Oh, buddy. Oh, God. 
Right, I'm voting for Trump now just to piss yeah. you off. Yeah, we need to have a talk about your taste of movies. <laughs> oh, do yeah. we now? Yeah, yeah. Right. Oh, goodness. Sinister shit. Oh, dear. Oh, well, I'd say that's about Amityville wrapped up. What do you reckon? I think we're done and dusted on the Amityville. Yeah. I like the original. I prefer the remake. I love the sequel. I'll put up with Amityville 3 because it's pretty good, but don't bother after that. Good point. Excellent. Right. We've got nothing else to review this week. Nope. Nope. Did you get a chance to uh, hear the new Stranger Deadly podcast? I haven't yet. It is on my iPod, and I will try and get to it this week, but um, I haven't really had time to sit and play many podcasts recently. Yeah, top shelf stuff from from Chris Clayton and Tom Elliott. Good stuff. I'm sure it is. They're always top blokes. They are indeed. They are indeed. Yeah, I will try and get to it. So anyway, that's Amityville done. Next time. Next time. Next time. I did tell you what we're doing next time, and I've changed my mind slightly. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. No, next time, I think because they're getting a Blu-ray release over here this week, I think we should do Jaws. Okay. Is that all right with you? Yep, it's fine. Cool. Next time we are going to do the Jaws films. How exciting. Yay. <laughs> I, 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 actually bet you, I bet you love Jaws the Revenge, don't you? Oh, God help me. <laughs> no. No, I actually enjoy the Jaws films. I love the first two. Yes. So, yes. you know. Well, we'll get well, there on the next show. Absolutely. Absolutely. But until then, I think we should say goodbye. Goodbye. Bye. Now hold it steady. You get shaky. I get shaky. Go! Are you crying? Why? Why are you crying? I wasn't so bad. Pick up another lung. Hurry up! Pick up another lung. Hurry up! up there. Put your hands up there. Put your... We're friends. We're having fun, right?